Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, you ready to do this? Yep. Start the show? Yep. Okay, let's, let's get going. But before we start, I think there's there's something you need to do. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had almost forgotten. The other half. Got about $5,000 in your pocket. $5,000 to you. Thank you, sir. Are you going to take the money and run, or as football season's approaching, are you going to give me a chance to win it back? Yeah, I got you. You're going to give me a chance to win it back? I mean, maybe not the full $5,000. Maybe not the full $10,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe not the full ten, dollars but I'll let you chip away at it. Okay. <laughs> I, You know, as a gambler, I'm happy you're going to give me a chance to win it back. As a father, I wish you had said you were taking the money and running. But you know what? You take your wins where you can. Congrats, buddy. You outfoxed me. You didn't just win the bet. You won the bet resoundingly. I had no chance in the very beginning. It's an all-time bad wager by me, which makes an all-time good wager by you. You should... You you know how, like, in uh, you ever walk into a restaurant and you see they have a dollar bill framed? Yeah. And it's like the first dollar ever made. Yeah. You should have one of those hundreds framed and keep <laughs> it with you forever. The first and only time I ever truly outfoxed my dad to the first and of, only time. Okay, well, a little it's foreshadowing the, there. Well, we'll yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to let that happen again. All right, now we can do the show. Let's do it. Welcome in episode 42 of What's Right with Nick Wright, the podcast and YouTube show. A reminder, number one on our countdown of the 50 greatest basketball players of the last 50 years comes out on Sunday. It is not a spoiler to, you know, acknowledge the fact that it will be LeBron. LeBron is the one name left. However, the video for it, oh my goodness. I mean, we almost ran out of ran out of memory on the computer when we were recording the LeBron video. Yep. Demonze was here for the beginning of it, left, came back. I was still going. It's going to be great. That comes out on Sunday. But before we get to today's show, let's get to, as we always do, what we are not discussing on today's version of What's Right with Nick Wright. We are not going to get into Jeannie Buss's Twitter account getting hacked, allegedly selling PlayStations. I thought they were just trying to pay for a Russell... Westbrook buyout knows she got hacked. Luca, the MVP favorite once again. And by the way, have you seen the pictures, Demonte, of skinny Luca? Yeah, back young when he was young. No, from this week. Oh. Look at skinny Luca. Somebody get my large adult Slovenian son a sandwich. My man has right. trimmed down this summer in Slovenia and. We are not talking about F1's Lewis Hamilton joining the Broncos ownership group because we do not talk about F1 on this show. However, we will be talking about what I thought should have been considered the biggest sports story of the summer, but it seemed like Ben Volin, Dan Levitard, Mike Florio, and me were the only people giving it the respect it deserved. Finally, the NFL now follows suit talking about the Dolphins and Tom Brady and the whole nine. So, Demonte, get us started. Yep. Uh, according to a league investigation, the Dolphins repeatedly talked to Tom Brady and Sean Payton yep. without permission while, while both of them were under contract. 
Yep. They've lost their 2023 first round pick and their 2024 third round pick yep. as a penalty. Uh, team owner Stephen Ross is suspended through six games and also has been fined $1.5 million. Yeah. But his net worth is sitting at about $8.2 billion, So yeah, it's no finan- telling how much yeah. that's going to hurt. The financial penalty probably not going to resonate that much with Stephen Ross. Go and, ahead. And by the way, him yeah. being suspended for six games, he's the team owner. So what he does can't that go do? to the games. He can't go to the facilities, can't go to the games. Okay. So, and he's also not, you know, some team owners are hands on. Right. And it's like, hey, they're are, calling stuff in. Well, not not plays, but organizational decisions. OK. And he cannot be consulted theoretically on those things. OK. So he can have no contact in that regard. All right. Go All ahead. Right. And also in, in back in 2019, uh, when it, when accused of intentionally tanking or telling coach Brian Fort Flores to intentionally tank, they were no they were not found guilty because there was no evidence that they were ever trying to tank because Brian Flores was actually winning games. And if you know he the claim there is that I said it, but I was joking. Exactly. The old I lose a game, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. A hundred percent. Which is uh-huh. very crazy. Yeah. Has the league not has the league came down hard enough on the Dolphins? Okay. So let's talk about that, and then we can we will I will bring us to the Brady point because the executive producer of the show, Gabe Goodwin, would quit in protest if we don't talk about the Brady particular complicity here. Right. So here's the problem. First of all, I really dislike Stephen Ross' statement where he implied that the investigation found that Brian Flores' allegations had no merit. It found the opposite. They, that they you did mention the hundred thousand per loss. The league just decided you were joking there right. and that you were tampering, which is one of the things Brian Flores alleged. So I think Brian Flores comes out of this looking better than anybody. I think it's full vindication for him. Here is the problem with the league saying that, and I quote, the scope and the, I want to get this exactly right, the scope and the severity of this level of tampering was unprecedented. The problem with the league saying this is the worst example of tampering we've ever seen, while also saying you're going to pay your penalty for that is going to be a slightly lower price than the Seattle Seahawks paid to acquire Jamal Adams, is if for multi years with multiple teams, when Brady was a Patriot, then when Brady was a Buck, you tamper with not only the quarterback of another team, but the Super Bowl winning quarterback of another team. Right. Do it when he goes to the next team. Actually, it would appear, induce him into retiring from that team it, and to get him on your team, which almost happened. And then also do the same thing with a Super Bowl champion coach. If the penalty is just a first and a third, I think it actually sends the opposite message the league is trying to send to the league, to the rest of the league, which is, I think the message they're trying to send is you'll be punished harshly for tampering. The team's but if you know the ceiling of penalty for doing it multiple years involving the greatest player ever is a first and a third, right. then doesn't it make you feel pretty confident? All right, if we tamper with Chris Godwin when he's approaching free agency, what's going to happen? Maybe we lose a fifth-round pick. Right. It would be, not to bring up bad memories of yours, but DeMonte went through a period in high school where he got in trouble a lot. You you know, you just, you didn't do a lot of bad things, but you seem to do them in an order of as soon as you got out of trouble within <laughs> six weeks, you were in trouble again. Yeah. And it was like, he really only screwed up twice a year, but he would space them out. So right. Constantly punished. If you, I, whatever the biggest screw up was, if I 
called you into me in your mom's room. And I said, Demonze, this is the most disappointed I've ever been in you. This is the angriest I've ever been in you. It is unprecedented. The scope of your malfeasance and the severity of the penalty that I, that's approaching. So you are grounded for one week and no phone for two weeks. I think you'd walk out of there being like, oh, <laughs> well, that's not that bad. And yeah. so if you are going to use the language the NFL used, I think they needed harsher penalties. 100%. Or else it sends the, the message to the rest of the league. This isn't that big of a deal. All right. Now to the Brady part of it. I will almost always take the side of, of worker versus labor versus management. And I like that it's in the collective bargaining agreement that players and coaches cannot be penalized for tampering, only organizations. And I think in real day-to-day life, that's applicable. I think that if all of a sudden ESPN tried to steal me away from Fox, I think that if ESPN got in trouble for you know trying to induce an employee under contract with another company, so be it. Right. But should I get in trouble for listening? I don't think so. I don't think that's how that should yeah, work. You know what I mean? I And so I w- also, as much as I'd love to pile on Brady here, I don't have as much of an issue with it. But to satiate Gabe Goodwin's thirst for some Brady slander, <laughs> I will read you a tweet from The Athletic. NFL teams have been forced to forfeit their first round pick three times in league history. Tom Brady has been involved in all three instances. Wow. Spygate in 2008, Deflategate in 2015, and now this tampering with the Miami Dolphins. That's crazy. I want to say one other thing about the tampering. The Dolphins tampering with Brady in 2019, his last year with New England, right? When everyone knew that was going to be his last year with New England. Right. I don't have that big of a problem. What? Because to me... That was Brady was about to be a free agent, and that was them trying to set the table yeah, yeah, exactly. to be at the front of the line of his free agency search. I, I know that's against the rules. I don't have a huge issue with that. What, them continuing it once he signed with another that team is- and it, the fact that it was successful, it yeah. induced him into retiring from his team <laughs> to try to go play for them. That, to me, is the real egregious part of this. And the fact that they ran the same, you know, I don't want to say scheme, but they did the same thing involving a coach and got him to quit his team. Right. And ostensibly, it's one of the reasons maybe they fire Brian Flores. The whole thing is it it was a very effective tampering. Right. Until the Flores lawsuit blew the whole thing up. Yeah. I mean, they were, would the Dolphins have traded a million bucks, a first and a third to get Brady and Sean Payton? Of course they would have. And it, you know, not to misquote Scooby-Doo, but it wasn't for the meddling kids. If it wasn't for Brian Flores' lawsuit, it would have all worked. All right. I hope, Gabe, we got enough Tom Brady info in there where we were fair to Brady, but also fair to the history of the league. All right. What's next? Uh, Still loads of criticism surrounding Watson or Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Seems that everybody on Twitter and everybody basically in the world agrees that the punishment should have been harsher. Mm-hmm. But the technicalities of the CBA are getting in the way of common sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what should happen here? What, what's what's going on here? What well, do you think will happen? Sorry. I so I'm going to say something a little. I don't know if it's uncomfortable, but I try to always be as 
honest as I possibly can be when I'm broadcasting. I, I, I joke with your mom that I'm more honest on television than I am in my day-to-day life. Yeah. That I try to be as transparent as possible. Sometimes on TV, I am a little more judicious with my words than, in, than here because I don't want them to be taken out of context, right? And I think here I have more room for a full explanation, okay? Right. So one of the things that I think is happening with the reaction to what I think the vast majority of people think is an incredibly light suspension is I think, and this is where I have to be careful, but it's what I believe. I think the NFL is benefiting greatly right now from the fact that the judge in this case happens to be a woman. And by that, I mean this. I think if that exact same, verdict's the wrong word, but ruling was issued, and it's a male judge signing, and it involves the terms of nonviolent sexual assault and continually referring to this as nonviolent sexual assault, I think that is far more problematic for the league if that is coming from a man's voice than Judge Sue O. Robinson. 100%. With that said, I personally find it just as egregious. But I just think the criticism, as as loud as the criticism has been, I think the criticism is actually a little quieter than it would have been if this was a different person giving the ruling. All right, so that's the first point. The other point that is what is happening here is we need to remember that while we know of more than two dozen instances, Mm -hmm. the league only presented five and the judge essentially dismissed one of them so that she was only looking at four instances. We also know that the league does draw a distinction between violent and nonviolent sexual assault, whether it should or it shouldn't, it does. And she felt kind of boxed in by precedent. Jameis Winston got six games was reduced to three. Zeke got six games. That first-time offenders with otherwise good reputations, the harshest penalty they've gotten is six games, right? The question that I think most people have is, is it fair to call someone a first-time offender when there are this many accusations? Right. That are they a first-time, a second-time, a third-time, a fourth-time? That's not how they looked at it. They looked at these all kind of as one you know, big thing. Big thing. The other issue that I took personally with Judge Robinson's ruling that I think is very uncomfortable for the Browns is she put in her ruling that Deshaun can now only get massages from team employees, essentially. Like, it's got to be set up through the team. I think that sets up a very uncomfortable situation for the people working for the Browns in that position that might say, Well, that's not what I signed up for. But on the flip side of that is he's the best, highest paid, most important player on the team. Like, do I have an obligation there? So I think that's something for the Browns to handle with, you know, internally. Okay. As far as what I think is going to happen, this is, you know, by the time you guys hear and see this, we will know if the NFL did in fact appeal. I think the NFL will appeal even though, and this is one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things, the the optics on that, the the NFL is going to get crushed whether they appeal or they don't. If they don't, people will say the NFL was too lenient even though they wanted a one-year suspension. If they do, people will say, well, then what was the point of having this independent arbiter if you're just going to overrule them if it doesn't go your way? 
Right. I would be shocked, though, if the NFL let the fewest games anyone could have anticipated being the penalty, six games, and the smallest financial penalty possible, less than 400 grand. I don't think that's standard. So I think the NFL is going to appeal. I don't think they are going to then impose their full initial we wanted a year. That way it does look there is some deference to Judge Robinson's ruling, but I think he's going to get 10 to 12 games. I think he's going to get 10 to 12 games. And from a very cynical standpoint, I think it is better for the NFL that he get 12 games thereabouts than he get a full year. And the reason for that is if he gets a full year, then going into next season, this is a story all over again. His first game with the Browns, his for all of this. If he gets 12 games, again, this should not be baked into the math on how much he gets. I'm just, if I'm doing the most cynical reading possible, you give him 12 games. By the time he comes back, the Browns aren't on national TV anymore because they would have played 12 games without him. They're out of the playoff race. Everyone is focused on other things. It's a story. The week he comes back, they then finish their season, and then next year it's somewhat of a, quote, clean slate, unquote. So I think it's in the league's best interest that this that they up it, they, they show the world they're taking it seriously, and they do 10 to 12 games. Again, apologies if by the time you guys hear this, we already know definitively that they are or are not appealing. My guess is they do appeal and they up it somewhat. All right, what's next? First game of the preseason is on Thursday. The Jags are facing the Raiders, whose hype train is out of control. Yes, it is. Thank you for saying that. Go ahead. Do you think the Raiders are getting too much hype? I mean, clearly you do. Yeah, I mean, listen, I... Adding Devontae Adams helps a ton. And by the way, bummer that Trevor Lawrence is not playing in this game. I want to see as much Trevor Lawrence as possible. If I believed in the Jags front office more and some of their other offseason moves, I'd love to be the guy to pick the Jags to make the playoffs. I'd love to do that. I can't do it as much as I believe in Trevor Lawrence, but set that aside. The problem for the Raiders is I, I don't want to get too much into our full NFL season preview. And I know the Raiders made the playoffs last year. But to me, you got to look at the AFC right now as division by division. The Bills in the East, the Bengals and the Raiders in the North, one of the teams in the South. I, I think it'll be the Colts, but so, that's, somebody's got to win the division. I think the Titans take a step back. And then in the West, the Chiefs and the Chargers. So we're already at six teams that I think are hands down better than the Raiders are or in the team, in the Colts case, just better positioned because somebody's got to win that division. So the Raiders, the Broncos, the team that doesn't win the South, call it the Titans. Some people still believe in the Steelers. I'm not one of them. The Browns, if Deshaun has only suspended six games, plus if the Patriots continue what they had building last year, I don't buy them, and the Dolphins, I don't buy them. Still, the point is, it's five or six teams competing for one spot. And I know our Colin Cowherd loves Derek Carr and Devontae Adams calling him a future Hall of Famer. He is without question the worst quarterback in his own division. Now, that's in part because it's the greatest quarterbacking division ever, maybe. But when was the last time a team with the worst quarterback in a division made some serious noise? It is, you've got to have, if that can happen, it's because your team is built to win despite the quarterback the way some would argue the Niners were a few years ago. But that's not the case with the Raiders. What they do best is throw the football. They're a passing game. 
And so, yeah, I I am fading the Raiders this year. I think they are an under 500 football team. Not, not a terrible football team, but too many difficult games, too tough of a schedule. And I don't think adding Devontae Adams is enough of a needle mover. All right, what's last? Huh? Uh, during the offseason, Debo Samuel requested a trade, which yep. made people think that he was unhappy with his role. Sunday, he agreed to a three-year, $75 million deal, yep. $58.1 million being guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And over the course of these three years, if he breaks or hits some milestones as a running back, he will get just under $2 million. Yep. Uh, are the 49ers a scary team with uh, Trey, Trey Lance and Debo Samuel? Listen, I think that they're, again, not to do the full NFL preview thing, but I believe in Trey Lance. I think the Niners are right now, they're my favorites to win the NFC. I think okay. the Niners will, by the end of the year, will have upgraded at quarterback. The beginning of the year, there's going to be some, and by upgraded at quarterback, I don't mean moved on from Trey Lance. What I mean is, let me say that differently. By December of this season, they will have better quarterbacking than they had in December and January of last season. I think by the end of this year, Trey Lance will be better than Jimmy Garoppolo was in that offense. Beginning of the year, I think it's going to be some growing pains. Getting Debo under contract was massive. I floated on first things first on Wednesday. Could they be the team that adds Odell? They could use some speed there. I love their defense. I love their coaching staff. I love the athleticism at quarterback. I love that they got Debo done. They don't have to deal with it. I really, to me, the Niners, we are, we are overwhelmingly likely to have an NFC championship game rematch of Niners Rams, but this one where the Niners can go toe to toe as far as making plays on offense with the Rams, with what Trey Lance will be by at that point is 18th, 19th, 20th career NFL start. So I think they, they are smart for moving on for Jimmy G. They were smart for paying Debo Samuel because he didn't want them to use him as a running back and for his wide receiver value to go down. Now he's protected from that. Got 58 million bucks. I love the Niners this year. I love them even more if they're the team that adds Odell once he gets back from the knee. Odell's. Oh, go ahead. Actually, Odell's. What's Odell's real value these days? Well, it's a real question because he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. He's had a bunch of injuries, but where he helped himself greatly was he got to the Rams. Not only was he not a distraction, he was awesome in the NFC Championship right. game, and he was on pace to maybe being Super Bowl MVP. Just he was awesome in the Super Bowl until he got hurt. So I think he has real value if the team is a contender. I think the Niners are. I think Green Bay also makes a ton of sense for Odell, but I don't know that he wants to live in the cold in that small town. So I think the Niners make a lot of sense. We'll be right back. Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. 
Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back in What's Right, Nick Wright, episode 42 of the regular podcast, our final edition of the 50 Greatest Players of the Last 50 Years, our special edition podcast, come out on Sunday, so be looking for that. Also, on today's show, I think we have a real chance of turning Demonze, turning this into the most financially and personally, and well, I should say financially and professionally, profitable weeks of your life. Financially, it already has been with the 10,000. But we've got something in the final segment of the show that I truly believe that if we get fans of the show behind, the great Fox social media team behind, the great people at Blue Duck, all the people involved in this podcast, I think you have a real shot of attaining. Major step. It would be... It would take you potentially away from this podcast for a period of time, but it would be worth it. We will discuss that at the end of the show. However, right now, we have to get into, before we get to a new game, the guys have told me there's a new game we are debuting. I don't know what it is. Before we get to that, you guys want to show me an old tweet of mine, which I love to see. So go ahead. Fan of the show sent in to the producers a cold take tweet of yours. Okay. When's it from? Um, uh, from 2011. Okay, that's always a little dangerous. Go ahead. Um, so I don't know if we're rolling the tweet, yeah. but I've got it right here. Uh-huh. What you, is it? You've got a... Uh, oh, there it is. Yep. Oh, it's my top 12 of all time at that point in time. Yep. For those of you listening on the podcast, it's Jordan at number one, Russell at number two, Magic at three, Kareem at four, Wilt at five, Duncan at six, Kobe at seven, Bird at nine. Bird at eight. Bird at eight, sorry. Yep. Oscar at nine, Shaq at 10. Uh, West at 11. Jerry West. Jerry West. Yep. Okay. And then LeBron. LeBron. At number 12. LeBron at number 12. Since 2011, though. Okay. So people have been sending me this. First of all, great job by you recognizing that we have audio listeners, not just viewers. So you got to read out the tweet. I had forgotten that. Great job. People have been sending this to me as some type of uh, taunt about my lack of consistency. All right. I actually think this shows amazing consistency over the last decade. So first, let me address what is, on its face, two obvious errors. Two guys who have not played a game since 2011 moved up in the rankings. So how could that happen? So Kareem went from behind Jordan and Magic to ahead of both of them. And Akeem went from behind Shaq to ahead of him, right? right? Okay. 
I think those are both incredibly easy to explain. And the answer is I was not as educated then as I am now. In 2011, I wasn't efforting to write a book on this. I was doing it just from my own general thoughts, feelings that if I'm being totally transparent uh, on the Kareem stuff in particular, I think was clouded immensely. And we can start the clock if we want, because I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this immensely from Bill Simmons opinions on Kareem and Bill Simmons. He had written this great book, the book of basketball, the 75 greatest players ever. And Bill has, I would say, a saltier view of Kareem than certainly than I came to have. Right. And I hadn't done my own independent research on it. So that's why I I was as shocked as anybody that going into the project, I would have thought I would have had Kareem behind Magic and certainly behind Jordan. I was as shocked as anybody when after I did the research, that's no longer the opinion I held. Okay. The Akeem take is very simple. Uh, and you can say I was indoctrinated somewhat, but this was before I had moved to and worked in Houston. And there was once I lived there and there was such reverence yeah. for Akeem and my co host on the radio, John Lopez, who I greatly respect his basketball opinion. Right. He actually thinks Wilt is the greatest player ever, but set that aside. Uh, he and who covered that said, Nick, if you got to look into Akeem outside of the two titles. He's like, you're just, he goes, once you do it, you're going to have a greater appreciation for him, which I did. I looked at it and I said, oh, I had underrated this guy. So that's the adjustments of the two guys who haven't played. The, all the other guys, the order stays the exact same. So Russell, Wilt, uh, West, and Oscar are not eligible for my list. But I, have, I had a decade ago, Duncan just ahead of Kobe. By the way, since then, Duncan went to the finals twice more and won another title, further solidified himself ahead of Kobe. I had Kobe just ahead of Bird. Kobe played a little bit since then, but didn't do anything substantial. Right. I had, and I had Shaq as the last guy in the in the grouping. It all one could also argue, Nick, you, on my I have what happens to Dr. J and Moses. Well, Dr. J and Moses would have been on the outside of this 12, if you will. If we had added Wilt and Oscar and uh, and Russell, if it wasn't the last 50 years, this is all time. Also, if I'm being honest, in 2011, I don't think I knew as much about Dr. J and Moses as I do now. Then it comes to the LeBron thing. Folks send me this and say, oh, LeBron went from outside of the top 10 to number one. You're goddamn right. It's the easiest one. Though. He won four titles, <laughs> won two more MVPs, went nope. to... It, it, it went to nine more finals since I sent out this tweet. Guess yeah. what, America? It, it, if you send me my list that right now has Giannis outside of the top 13 in a decade, and he's added four more rings, a couple more MVPs, and eight more finals trips, he's going to have skyrocketed. Right. So I what, what would have been bad for me would have been if this list had no connection whatsoever to my current one. But really, with the only exception being I had underrated a couple big men from the 70s and 80s in Kareem and Akeem, I say I did well. And the other reason I love this tweet that it's being brought up is the following. It's alleged by some corners of the internet that the LeBron stuff is like me playing a character. I'm trying to be the anti-skip. FS1 told me to do it. And this is documentation that back when I was doing midday radio in Kansas City, 
Right. I was still hashtagging tweets with can't help my love for LeBron. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's authentic. All right. Time now for a new game. What's the new game? Uh, now, in honor for NFL Hall of Fame uh, enshrinement yeah. ceremonies this weekend, it's time for a new game called First Mid and Chill. Not and chill, but First Mid Chill. Okay, I got it. Hold on. Before we even get to it. Uh-oh. I understand this is a play on the game F, Mary Kill. Yeah. So we're calling it First Mid Chill. But it, it actually makes a, lo- a lot of sense. Except for the fact that I'm 37 years old and I would never call something mid. Ever. Yeah, no, I that, was thinking about that. That is, as soon as I'm like, I'm going to cringe just thinking about it. That is as, uh, that is not in my parlance. Yeah. The only, the in my whole life, the only way I've ever used mid in a sentence was as a teenager to describe a type of weed. Like that's mid grade. Like okay. th- th- that's, but I, but young Mitchin. people these days use, oh, that's mid. Yeah, people send me, like, people respond to some of my takes on the show. They're like, mid take, bro. I'm like, mid take? Like, yeah. they, those are people you probably wouldn't. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't. But I will, because I do appreciate the turn of phrase of F. Mary Kill turning into first mid chill. It even rhymes, kill and chill. I'll play along, but we might have to tweak the title at some point. Okay, go. So, you're gonna, uh, so you're going to give me three current players and what's happening? Three current players. You'll tell me which one's the first ballot Hall of Famer, which one has a shot, and which one will not make it in. Okay. And so for our first group of guys, we've got Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. Okay. I, I You know, I'm on the record here. Josh, Josh Allen has earned my first. fear and respect. I will put him first. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is the one that we will call mid. Okay. Though, again, I don't like it. And Kyler Chill. Like first, yeah, no, I would be, I would be shocked if Kyler Murray ends his career and it's even a Hall of Fame. You just discussion. got no hope in this guy just because he's small. That That's is true. The only thing I don't like small I want, athletes. I don't want Kyler Murray to prove you wrong. Well, and what's funny is that I I get that, and I I'm not rooting against him. I just naturally lean towards bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. It just he's, he's the, always a safer bet. Oh no, that's true. No, no, no. He has the speed part of it. That part's true. Not but bigger. He, not strong. And especially at that position, I just it's really hard for me to buy into it. But even if I didn't have my skepticism, Lamar has won a league MVP and the won a playoff guys. game. Josh Allen is a favorite to win league MVP this year, has won a couple playoff games, and his most recent playoff loss. He played a nearly flawless game, just got beat by the Chiefs with 10 seconds left. So crazy. And so it's not, it's shade. You could really like Kyler and still have him third on this list. All right. Yeah, you're right. Number two, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, or Jalen Waddell. All right. This one's also very easy. And I think all three of these guys could be excellent players and they have all had excellent production. But it's easy because one of them, talent wise to me, is far and away the best, and one of them, situation-wise, is in far and away the worst. So Jamar Chase is, I will say, first, without a doubt. Like, Jamar Chase, I don't want to put too much on him, but I would be surprised if he's not a Hall of Famer. If he stays healthy, he and Burrow had an amazing rapport in college. Jamar was so dominant in college, he then sat out a year, still was a consensus top 10 pick, and then I think you can argue that he is already 
the single best receiver in the league. I think you could argue he's better than Nuke. He's better than Devontae, better than Tyreek, better than Cup. I'm not saying definitively he is, but he has an argument for it. Justin Jefferson, production-wise, with a okay quarterback in Kirk Cousins, has been historically great production-wise. I really like Jefferson. To me, he's second. He would be the mid-category. By the way, I got a little text during the segment (laughs) from Gabe, our fearless executive producer, who is actually a little bit older than me. And he said he initially named this game first, maybe chill. And it was changed to mid by one of our Gen Z producers. But it was Nick Weiner. You think it was Nick? Okay, you think it was Nick Weiner? I thought it was Moe's. That was my guess. It's Mose would be my second guess. Really? I don't really know Mose that well. He just feels like the type of guy who's going to be like, nah, bro, it's mid. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. So I'm going to put Justin Jefferson in the mid category of this list. And Jalen Waddle, who had 100 catches and put up numbers as a rookie that have only been totally matched by Anquan Bolden, I'm going to put him as chill because of his situation. Because now not only is he not the focal point of the offense because Tyreek got there, but more importantly... I, I think Jamar's got an excellent quarterback in Burrow. Jefferson, Jefferson's got a competent quarterback in Cousins. And I think Waddle's you know, got Tua, who I think they're going to be changing quarterbacks soon. Tua. I'm not a Tua guy anymore. I was. I thought I said he should go number one in the draft over Burrow. And then I was just wrong about it. What'd you say? Tyreek Hill switched up on your No, that wasn't why. It was because sucks. I watched him play. All right, what's last? Uh, number three, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, and Zeke Elliott. Oh, all right. It, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be Hall of Famers, but I'm going to put Jonathan Taylor first because he's never suffered the major injury that C-Mac has, and his production the first two years are outstanding. He had almost 2,000 yards last year. If he can stay healthy, why not? I'm going to put Christian McCaffrey second it's last. Wow. because I do think he has unbelievable ability but the injury stuff concerns me. And I'm without a doubt putting Zeke last because Zeke's best days are clearly behind him. I don't think he's going to have any more monster seasons and his production up to this point. So his career is far closer to the end than to the beginning. And he's not a Hall of Fame level player. Looked like he was going to be the first couple of years. Yeah. Has not turned into that. What's sad is that we don't even include Saquon on these lists anymore because of all of his injuries. But there it is. First edition, I like the game. We can tweak the title. We come back, we make Demonze a movie star. Literally, that's what we do next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right, welcome back in. Final segment, What's Right, Nick Right, the podcast, the YouTube show, all of the above. And Demonze is clearly the most favorite member of the podcast, as evidenced by you guys selling me out to help him win $10,000. Demonze also is the most athletic member of the podcast and the tallest member of the podcast. Here's why I bring those things up, and we can start the clock because this is going to be quick. Demonze, I think we have a real chance of making you a movie star. Yeah. Okay. So I've talked with you about a little of this. Uh, I talked with you about this a little bit, but let's show the audience. This was posted yesterday. The hit show HBO Winning Time is seeking basketball players. For the roles of Kurt Rambis, all right, that's a white dude. Mitch Kupchak, that's a white dude. James Worthy, a very tall black guy who you don't look like. Robert Parrish, a very, very tall black guy who you look nothing like. And Byron Scott. So more on that in a moment. But Byron Scott, I would say, light skin side, 6'4". Yeah. You're 6'3". And the... And the what the requirements for this are no acting experience, must have basketball experience. For Byron Scott, obviously, I think it has to look somewhat like Byron Scott, and they need you to be in Los Angeles from August to January for filming. They want your basketball experience sent in, a face picture, a full body picture, and your basketball experience. So you played college basketball. You want to be in LA, and you can be in LA. You are the right height. And I don't know if we have any mock-ups we can show you, but I think DeMonze as Byron Scott, absolutely. Look at this. <laughs> I think that absolutely that can play. I don't know where the screenshot's from. Yeah, But works. you can, it works. The forehead area is the, it's just the ears maybe. Well, I don't think it has to be exact. Of course. And you have a nice jump shot like he did. Yeah. You're athletic like he was. I really think you could do this. Yeah. So we need our, this is what, all of my brilliant takes from today, set them aside. We need all of our social media and graphics team on basically a sizzle reel of why Demonze should get this role. We need to put it out there. We need the What's Right fans out there to tweet at Winning Time or at the producers at who's the guy Who's the big producer for the show? Someone can say in my ear. He's the guy that just got in the argument with Will Farrell. Everybody knows uh, Adam McKay. I think it's Adam McKay. We need you guys to tweet at Adam McKay. We need you guys to tweet at McKay. And I and see I no will reason. retweet everything. What'd you say? I will retweet everything. You'll retweet All everything. I'll re we also, what you need to do is find your best headshot. Yeah, I was honestly looking. And your best full body length photo that shows, I would say, your muscle tone and will explain the athleticism via the 
you know, the basketball career. Right. Maybe include a clip if you have one on your phone of you between the legs dunking or reverse dunking, something yeah. cool, and we're going to send it. I think you can get this gig. Yeah, um, I don't think it's I think I fit a lot of the requirements. And Oh, almost, Jeff Pearl. Yeah, we need to add Perlman to this, the person who sent out this tweet. Jeff Perlman, I feel like there's got to be people of our, I think I've interviewed Jeff. I really think you can get this role. Yeah. I think it would be unbelievable. And then I love that it's like, it's it's not actual act. I don't know how much of it will be actual acting, but like. I no, it's, it's mostly just for basketball. the basketball scenes. Right, exactly. And, and one of the things Winning Time has done well is those basketball scenes look really good. Right. All right. So that's the goal between now and football season. At least get Demonze a callback. For the role of Byron Scott. You have, and again, I don't think it's not a massive field of people you're going to be competing with because they got to be at least 6'2", and they have to have high-level basketball experience and in L.A. So we're doing this? We're doing it. All right, just so you know, the standard fee for someone getting you your first gig in a gig like this happens to be exactly $10,000. <laughs> so if you get this role... Just make sure you hold on to that 10000 that I gave you this week. Word. You might have to transfer it right back over, okay? Okay. All right, that's a deal. That's committed. That's binding. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday.